Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 175 of the world famous RC Roundtable. You sure about that? Uh, it doesn't matter. He hasn't lost okay. his southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> There's people in other countries that know about us, so we are world famous, technically speaking. I see. Oh, okay. Cool. That is true. If you want to take that route, you go right ahead. Fitz All is right. world famous. We're just right. riding his coattails. That's it. <laughs> Harley. Well, that skeptical person is Terry Dunn. Howdy, y'all. Then we have Lee Ray. Hello. And me, Mr. Fitzwalker. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Do you like my name this time around? <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to get it? You don't know that? Alex Rogan. Alex Rogan. No, sorry. Is this some Battlestar Galactica thing? You're Same close. Yeah. You're close. It's sci-fi. Same <laughs> genre, yeah. yeah. Very good. At least original. Let's just say Fitz and I were <laughs> spewing out <laughs> quotes from this movie, <laughs> and we were just laughing and reliving our youth, man. It was awesome. You know what's hmm. funny? Um, like a day or two after we got back, uh, there's uh, a YouTube channel I, I watch. It's basically, uh, there's a Gen X guy and a bunch of Gen Zs, and they watch old movies. And so, you know, you know, Gen Z watches uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, so for the first time, and that movie came up. They ended up, that was one of the movies. So and, I'll go ahead and fill in Terry since he didn't know. This is uh, The Last Starfighter. Oh, right. Okay. It's what, 39, did we say 39 years old? Uh, not that quite old. Okay. Mid 35, something like that. Oh, wow. Oh, maybe it's maybe 37. Um, but uh, they liked it. The, the, the Gen Z kids, they, they, that they got a kick out of it. They thought it was really good. So did we. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My favorite quote is, we die. <laughs> Doing that. I need to get that GIF animated and use that in all the things. Uh, oh, it's a very enjoyable movie. So those of you, you Gen Zers who are listening, if you haven't seen the movie The Last Starfighter, go read it. It was, what, four bucks on Amazon Prime? Yeah, 99, whatever. Yeah. yeah, so we listened to it, watched it all the way. On our on our long one thousand mile trip back to Texas, that was quite yep. enjoyable. Fitz, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. The trip Agreed. back back from where? Oh, where did we go? Just get some biscuits and gravy. That's it. Yeah, just turn around and came right back. Well, the Bucky's out and no I cigarettes. <laughs> well, hopefully, if you guys have listened to the previous episode, you know where we've been. We were at Joe Nall in South Carolina. And it's just a long drive, so it just it felt like the drive was as long as the time as we were there <laughs> sometimes. Well, and, we just uh, spent three days driving, basically. It felt like it, yeah. But except, for, yeah, yeah, the day back was great. Yeah, you I guys just I, came straight through coming we, home. Yep. Yeah, that's that's something you wouldn't have heard on the podcast. Uh, yeah, we we decided to curtail out of there and drove a thousand miles straight back. Probably swapped what four or five times. Yeah, yeah. On the way back. Did it all in a day. Yep. And one main reason is that my son's baseball team uh, had won their game on Saturday, which meant their playoff was Monday. And uh, I didn't want to miss it. So thank, thanks, Fitz, for packing up on Saturday. And what time did we get out of there? 5 a.m., something like that? Yeah, right on 5, 5.30, oh something like that. Yeah. And we basically 
chased the sun from sunrise, <laughs> pure darkness to sunset in Houston. Huh. All right. But you made it back safe and sound. We did. Did all the airplanes make it back safe and sound? Yeah. Okay, I think you did. Road rash from bouncing uh, around. The I got trailer. some minor road rash on the maxi lift on the way back. I didn't notice until I got home, but it's minor. And okay. we experienced some road rash on the way there on Plywood yeah. Overcast, which was repaired. <laughs> yeah. The, the hole in the rudder. Yeah. That was, yeah. Fixed with an RC plane lab sticker. That is correct. Some okay. new bling on the on, on plywood overcast. All right. So are, is this our Joe Nall discussion or post Joe Nall wrap up? You know, you heard the podcast, right? With yeah. our buddies Ron and Tom. So this is now your time because I'm sure during the podcast you had questions. You wanted to have answers to some of the stuff we were doing. So I think Fitz and I will just sit back and uh, relax and have you ask us questions about Joe Nall. How's yeah. that? I, I agree. Just one question. Just did one? You, did you miss me? <laughs> and you are? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. So I have a few questions here. All right. Um, you said you flew the parallax. You're, I did. All right. So how did that go? It went well. This time around, it, it oh, gosh. I didn't tell him that. He, he didn't know. Remember I uh, told you how tail heavy it was, Fitz? Were you using the wrong battery or something? No, no I don't remember no. that. No, no. I, Sucker was extremely tail heavy. Really? So I, I don't, don't know if that. you had other weights that were in the nose, but I was using the three cell 800 milliamp battery. That's your problem. Should be <laughs> 1300 there, pal. No, it was an 800 you gave me. Mm, I don't think so. It is. It's your battery. It's got the wrong Velcro on it. <laughs> You're looking well, at me funny. I, yeah, because it's been several years, but I want to say, gosh, I thought all of those used a... I've um, had this plane for a long time. So long story, we'll just cut to the chase. Uh, after I realized how tail heavy it was and I added a lot of weight in the nose, she flew great. Had a great time. Okay, but... And as you... She rolls one way faster than the other. She's an oddball in the air. What that kind of... Who makes that? That was my favorite one. Who makes that plane? <laughs> <laughs> But logically, it flew fine before without any different weights, right? You've flown it many times. Well, and, and like I said, I've always just used that same battery. So unless something changed, like I, there, if there was a weight up there and it dislodged, and did you remember? Do you remember installing a weight? Because I have I, not done anything to that plane except charge the battery. And of course, I had to make a new battery hatch. Maybe all the weights were in the battery hatch that was on it that disappeared one flight. A family <laughs> of rodents living in the tail. There you go. I'll check that out. So my theory, and we can run this to ground afterwards. I think there's some confusion on the battery. I'll have to look at mine and see. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. But you to answer using... your question, it did fly. Not you that I'm pointing the... any fingers at you. I know you are. And it's but... the same, you know, I, I'm done. <laughs> we'll have to just go to trial, okay? So right, let's put it in the civil courts. All right, so your green parallax flew, it survived. I'm not calling it mine anymore, it's yours. <laughs> I haven't seen I it nor touched it. I'm not putting my name on it. <laughs> All right, so it got the dust knocked off of it. It did, it did. It okay. did. I, I mean, I think over time and hangar rash, it lost the winglets, so right. one's kind of MIA. And I'll I'll build them again, but that was gosh, it's like three millimeter maybe or two. Yeah. It's very thin. Probably three. So, yeah. 
I, I will too. I redo those, but uh, no, it flew great. Got a lot of oohs and ahs. All right, good. I guess I really should ask about Plywood Overcast. How much heavier is it with new signatures? <laughs> is it a little tail heavy with the sticker? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it's <laughs> extremely, you know, much, I'd have a whole pound of lead in the nose to fix that <laughs> RC Plane Lab sticker. No, it's fine. Uh, we don't think we went had six people, six additional people fly it. That's all. I don't think people were very excited on the main line with all their jet fancy jets and words. Oh. <laughs> Wanted to, hey, can I get my hand at flying that very slowly <laughs> while there are jets in the air? <laughs> or it could have been, hey, yeah, I'll fly it. Whoopsie. <laughs> I don't know what happened. If only I had footage of this and maybe Fitz remembers and and he could tell you how ridiculous it was, but I, I called a low pass down the runway and I felt like I was taxiing compared to everybody <laughs> else that was in the sky. Right. It was so darn slow coming across there. And boy, I tell you, I, there were some guys flying their jets full speed, yeah. 100 plus straight down that runway. And I mean, you hope that people were being aware and, and they required spotters on the main line. But yeah. dang, that was scary. So I was, we, we were lucky that the fact that Ron and Tom joined us and also Jeff Arsenal with his uh, two, three, four, what was the name of the plane? The Telemasters. Telemasters. Thank you. So the fact that we had three spots helped kind of slow people down. When I guess they saw us come up, they're going, I don't think I want to fly with these nerds. So <laughs> um, I think there was like one jet and then two other airplanes. So it wasn't too yeah. bad. Okay. Get the feeling that you were self-conscious during that moment. Nobody said anything to you like, hey, get out of here, slowpoke. No, but there was some mumbling behind us when we were putting our planes on the line. Like, how is why is that here? That kind of <laughs> I mean, these are the guys with the twelve thousand, fifteen thousand dollar jets, you know. Yeah. Well, everybody played nicely. So well, all yeah, the as well. Yeah, we didn't get and well and to be perfectly honest, the first thing we did was we talked to the flight boss and yeah. said, hey, are you okay? We're of us, the three of us. And he was very welcome. He says, yeah, y'all just line up the flight. So there was nothing about, well, let me see what you got. Oh, no, you guys need to go to the little, you know, baby room down there. The, the electric part down, <laughs> way down there, way, way down yeah. there. No, right. no, it was not like that at all. So we certainly had permission to fly there. Yeah. Okay. But Plus, when this you... is not a this is not a jet meet. This is <laughs> exactly <laughs> some guy settled out. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, any friction was self-imposed. Yeah. So Plus is that the only oh, go ahead? I was gonna say they shut the whole flight line down for a demo cell to fly. So mm. and that thing flew at a walking speed. So they can't yeah. so they can, you know, just settle down and wait to <laughs> is that the only line you flew it at? No, we flew it at the electric light line too. Okay, good. It looked like somebody signed one of the propellers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't, I don't think know we've why. broken any props on it yet. Is that? I don't think I did. Nope. So maybe it'll stick around for a while. I told him if it broke off and I could and I found it or recovered it, I'd tape it inside the plane. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. We've got plenty of cargo space in there. As, I think, as you said, we could just use the fuel tank, you know, hatch oh, the, on the top. Yeah. The thing, Actually, yeah. for people that are listening or excuse me, watching and haven't and don't see what we're talking about, this is the. Facebook page for RC Roundtable podcast and Plywood Overcast is on the cover. And I don't know if my arrow is showing Shocker. up for you guys. <laughs> but this little uh, section at the top would have been most likely the fuel tank, right? 
Is that what you think? I Gary? assume so. The backside of that was the engine, like a radio or a firewall engine mount for some sort of gasser. Yeah. So we could unscrew the top there and put some trinkets in there. Yeah. A, a Cox 049. There you go. Yeah. I told you, just put a freewheeling prop there just for giggles. <sighs> and as we said, <laughs> it no. doesn't need more drag. <laughs> oh, it would be more drag. It would be fine. Just a little way. No. You guys a free prop is tremendous drag. Why do you think they have feathering props? Hey, hey speaking well, of which, free look, prop. look, it's painted. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Is that Take the that color off. you had? Check that off. Your... <laughs> There's a Model T. I told you I was going to say something about the color. <laughs> I'm just yanking your chain because I heard you talk about it in the last one. Oh, I Can appreciate you, you painting it. Can you remind me what was a KFC for in front? Oh, that's just the name of the guy at Ceph. Oh, Chris. Okay. They just call him KFC. Oh, gotcha. Hey, Fitz. You something you're fiddling with your oh, mic? Sorry, thing, I actually touched the thing. It sounds like bongos. So, um, so that was Plywood Overcast. So it survived yet another event with uh, no chaos, no. No bruises. No spoilers. No, no spoilers. Oh, right. No spoilers in the ring. Okay. <laughs> I have all the faith in the universe that you are going to do that one day. One day. One day. Yeah. And just Maybe one. I'll get to that. I'll just do one spoiler. <laughs> just, <laughs> we'll just play with it that way. <laughs> That's okay. You could do that probably. Huh? Do I have to make huh. do I have to make both spoilers top and bottom work or just the top? Just the top. Okay. I'm not picky. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Fitz, during the last podcast, you talked about some toy submarine thing you picked up. Tell me more. Show me more. Yeah. How did that conversation start? I thought I heard you talking with someone. Who was it that mentioned to you, Fitz, that there was a submarine uh i believe it was our buddy tom tom buckany either tom or richard okay they told me that they had uh there was a, a vendor that had some neat little cartoon airplanes and odds and ends and they had this little submarine for not much money and so uh, when i wandered up there and i saw it i said well that's kind of neat and so I, I they had a couple left so i ended up buying it it was it's neat about it is submarine submarine yeah <laughs> Sub i don't know is it a copyright or something so what's neat is it comes with a little uh transmitter it's a it's a ready to run package and so you just just add batteries the submarine itself has has a built-in charger and uh, i mean sorry built-in batteries rechargeable batteries and you've got this little sort of kind of toy like controller but it's actually it has like six channels or something so you have forward and backward, uh, left and right. You also have up and down. Oh, you have up and down. Oh, for yeah, it has a working ballast, which is what which really caught my interest. So I don't know if it's a pump or whatever. So it could actually raise and lower without moving around. So it's a, a static diver, as they say. And hmm. uh, I'm not sure if it does anything else. It's got the little antenna thing. So, so it's just, not two point four. It's not two point four. I think it says 40 megahertz. It says 40 megahertz right on a transmitter. Okay. So uh, that's actually good, right? The bigger, the or the longer the wavelength, the more it penetrates water. Right, right. So, so it shouldn't yeah. be a problem. I, I Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to use it yet. I've just been so busy with other stuff. 
it's pretty neat. Apparently, it has little water sensors here, so it won't turn on until you put it in water. Uh, it's got a drain plug, and uh, it's got a USB charger thing as well. So I just thought of all things at Joe Nall, airplane palooza, I buy a little submarine. Uh, hmm. So I, hopefully I can take it out to my next boat meet as well if it works decent. Yeah. I might try tomorrow if I have some chance to get in a bathtub or a, a tub or something, see how it works. Uh, what's funny is it's got a teeny, 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 tiny propeller. You can't really see it. Sorry, it's out of focus. It's like the propeller is like way, looks way too small for what it is, but we'll see. It's huh. very odd. 10,000 kV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the propeller is literally like, uh, oh, man. It's got to be like five millimeters in diameter or something like that. It's not. Oh my gosh! Large. It's really tiny. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, what is cool. color? So no yeah, camera uh, on it, right? No camera. No. Okay. I want to do that with one of my other subs. Put a camera in it. That'd be cool. Yeah, I would like to find an off-the-shelf hobby-grade submarine with a camera in it. Something that I can throw in the lake behind the house just to snoop around and see what there is to oh. see. Uh, Motion RC has them, but they're a couple thousand bucks. Oh, yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm interested in having one, not necessarily interested in building one. So, gotcha. Well, yeah, keep your eyes out. Uh, so I actually bought very little at Joe now, to be honest. I just bought the submarine, I bought a couple of pieces of carbon fiber from a lady that came out of California. This is really thin, it's probably 10,000s or something. Okay. That's uh, an experiment. And um, that was about it. I bought a, oh, that metal, Lee, that metal fitting we use on a gas can. Yeah. I bought that for my gas can because it split too. Oh, so, gotcha. so it was, that's why I had it because I had just bought it from one of the vendors. Uh, and that's it. Um, there was some stuff. Some, I didn't really catch anything used that, that caught my eye for the most part. There was a couple of kits that were kind of interesting, but they wanted one. Too much for it. Um, uh, and then there was an F16XL, but that was way out of my price range. Yeah. Is it 6K? <laughs> yeah. It was way. Uh, but it was still a lot of good stuff there. Not to say there wasn't anything to buy. It just it wasn't, it didn't fit my use case, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys even have room in the trailer if you did buy something? We had a little bit. We almost came back with something kind of big. Uh, but not for us. We're not for us. Yeah. For Nobody. me, for little old me. For no, little old me. no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> Tease. Oh, I did come back with an airplane for my friend Greg that showed up that stayed with us for a couple of days. He brought a plane. Oh, that's true. Uh, uh, one of the Sukhoi Su 20, is it 26? Aerobatic? One of the old, wasn't even, I think it was yeah. Park Zone. It wasn't even E Flight. Didn't you guys fly that there last year? I think we did. One of his planes that you year. borrowed? I think Fitz yeah. did. <clears throat> yeah. I did. And my buddy says, hey, he's, he just wasn't interested. He didn't really like how it flew. So he says, take it home with you. <laughs> All right. So I took it home with me. Cool. All right. So, Lee, what did you buy? Gas. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of gasoline for the car and for the generator. Um, no, I didn't buy anything. Okay. Did not buy Nothing caught your fancy? Nope. I wanted to fly. All right. So speaking of flying, you finally got to fly the Twin Timber. What do you I think? I did. The Twimber, as they call it. The Twimber? Yeah. I don't know if it's in these photos. I'm. By the way, I'm sharing some photos on 
on our video here, uh, photos I took for the AMA uh, at Joe Null. Uh, the Tim, it flew fine. I'm thank you, Horizon, for letting me get my hands on it. Sean was the. There it is. Uh, do you see it? Oh, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, but that's their display. So actually, you can see in the photo the one on the ground there. It actually belonged to an employee. That's the one we snuck and flew. Okay. <laughs> and uh, no, we had fun. I, I enjoyed it. It's very unique and it's kind of heavy. Did you get to hold it, Fitz? Uh, I think I did. I can't remember. It's just a little heavy Maybe because quickly. we were all talking about how it compares to the Otter and the Timber X or the Turbo Timber. Mm. And although, you know, I like twins and it's not a bad looking plane and the, the way it's set up, the, the configuration they have as far as, oh, did you know it has reversible thrust? Not that only does it have differential, but it also has reversible thrust. So yeah, because I think we talked about what would the effect be if you could reverse one in flight for spins and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed flying it. I was also flying someone else's plane, so I was a little cautious. Um, sure. But that being said, if I if I guess if someone said, hey, which, which should you rather, or which should I purchase, the Timber X or the Twin Timber? That Timber X is hard to beat. You know, it's a. I've really enjoyed flying it on a 4S 2200. You know, it, oh. and really, if they say flights 3S or 4S, forget that. Scratch out the three, just put 4S on that box because that's all you really want to do with that. And maybe more. Mm. I don't know. Someone sure is bound to put a 5S in there. But I really mm. do like the Timber X. Now, they've said there, I think Sean was mentioning that there are maybe some issues with the landing gear on the Timber X. And I'll tell you, the, the twin Timber looks very similar to it. Mm. But mm. no, I mean, you know, I, I had I, I enjoyed it. Don't think I'll put it on my to buy list. Was it with 4S when you flew it? Yes. Okay. Well, then I guess we can check that off as done. Yep. Oh, good for you. All right. Um, when you guys went to Seth, <laughs> I asked you what was the Lee Ray Best of Show Award, and your answer was Lee Ray. So, for Joe Nall, who won the Lee Ray Best of Show Award? Well, if you heard the podcast that we did, I i mean, there were tons of gorgeous planes out there. Like this Concorde, I'm showing it on the screen. The Concorde is beautiful. But even that, Fitz and I were at Control Line, and then some guy was flying a twin turbine SR-71. And a, Control I, Line? No. Like oh, a turbine okay. jet overhead. Yeah, and it's I'm just like, so big, you could see it. <laughs> I was like, so if we had gone over there and, and stared at it, I probably have changed my mind. But that being said, what I what I told the Ron and Tom was that I thoroughly enjoyed playing the uh, Electro Street that oh, Tom okay. built. It was very nice. I had a blast. You know, the funny joke was I when he handed it to me, I said, "Was this just just a bank and yank airplane?" He said, "Yeah," and that's all I did. I said, "You know, it'd be really good if this thing had a rudder." And he's like, it has a rudder. <laughs> I was like, that's not what just bank and yank means. <laughs> he goes, well, rudder's right there. You could have used it. Um, but we were just, you know, it flies great. I And he was just so, I mean, honestly, it was a really nice, it still is, by the way. I did not crash it. It is a nice plane. It was very well built. It is very well covered. And he let me fly it. Plywood nice overcast. You know, if, it, if someone crashed it, we would all be, oh, darn it. But it's, yeah. you know, it is what it is. So we're I was. asleep. I was very appreciative of him doing that. So yeah, it was nice. Um, but I think also, you know, like this, this is kind of cool. Uh, on the screen is this, you know, a, again, it's a P thirty eight type thing. It also has the thunder and lightning feel. But that's right. a control line. This oh, yeah. looks fast, doesn't it? It's just yeah, 
it's a cool looking plane. So that thing caught my eye immediately. And I don't know if it's in here, but this caught Fitz's eye. And oh, I don't have a close up of it here. But can you see this plane right there? Oh yeah, the the '57 really. Chevy Bel Air. It's, it's a it's, it's a Bel Air. <laughs> it's it's the whole the fuselage is a fin is a fin of a Bel Air. Oh, nice. That's how it's cut out and designed. And we watched it fly. It was pretty cool. Yeah, electric too. Yeah. Oh, nice. So yeah. you know, and it's a twin, by the way. So okay. I'm running all over the place about all the planes. And yes, uh, even there was a P38. Uh, it was, and yeah, uh, nice. I liked it. I took pictures of it, but I didn't walk away saying, "Oh, that was my favorite." Surprise, surprise. So mm. there were some there were some gorgeous planes, and I thought you'd get a kick out of that one, Fitz. Yeah, I saw that on a flight line. I didn't see it fly, but I saw it when he was lined up. It's like EDF, um, I presume. Yeah, twin EDF. Yeah, it, it's a sort of Arado 230, something or another. 234, I think. 234, yeah. 232, something like that. Yeah. Oh, maybe uh, that's, yeah. Really standoff, way off scale. But still, you know, still neat to see it. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, where's the Connie? So look at you know, this Connie was gorgeous. Connie was really nice, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm like stuff that I just saw and I didn't gosh, you know what? I'm just gonna say we were pretty busy moving left and right and wanting to go fly because that was the promise we made our, to ourselves last year was that we're coming back we're bringing our planes and we're going flying and we did it you know we flew a lot and you know we even flew at night so we brought the radian and that was fun yeah i'll have to say that i, I spent noticeably less time at the main flight line this year than last year and we were so I, busy doing other stuff i only spent one time at 3d okay twice so i went to 3d twice I think yeah. for bathroom breaks. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you spent more than I did. Only time I went to the 3D lines when we went to take a shower. Yeah. Now I Other did stop and watch people fly, and yeah. there were some great pilots there, and that's fine. You know, just I was letting my hair dry. Um, <laughs> and but last year I spent a lot of time doing videos and so forth. So we we did what we set out to do, and that was hang out the electric flight line, visit yeah. with people. And, you know, speaking of visit with people, let me bring this screen back up because, again, uh, fanboy fits. <laughs> oh, oh. He, he, these guys found him, said, hey, aren't you that guy? Because they could recognize his voice, I think. Maybe he was talking. <laughs> but these guys were talking to him about the maxi lift. You know, okay. I was going to ask about that, too. Yeah. And so um, that was just neat. You know, Fitz, I, we, I tease you. I... We, I do make fun of you about how many people, you know, come up to you, but it is fun to see Fitz in his natural <laughs> habitat, you know, with people just, you know, loving to talk to him about model aviation. I, I was absolutely amazed how many people came up. Lee, you probably only saw half of the people that came up and talked to me. Yeah, I couldn't, I could hardly take a step somewhere and somebody would come up, talk to me or, or, uh, or, you know, recognize a voice, like you said, or something like that. So I had a lot of people, we we're all very nice. It was great talking to everybody. It was just, it was just really weird, but also pretty neat at the same time. Huh. I, next time I go with him, I'm probably just going to be a bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there is to it. I, yeah. Give me a nice little black suit, a little earpiece, yeah. and yeah. I'll just walk behind Fitz. Dark sunglasses. <laughs> Yeah. But there was a couple of cool ones. I mean, I mean, they're all pretty neat. There was one guy and his girlfriend that kind of came up. He seemed kind of meek, but he had a really good conversation with him. Uh, there was the there was um, when um, um, Ali, Ali Machinchi, yeah, Ali Machinchi, uh, who I don't think I've ever met, but he 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 saw me and came up to me and, and really said he liked my review I did of the Hangar Nine uh, uh, Pawnee Brave. 
Hmm. And I didn't quite realize, but he designed it. That's his plane. <laughs> see, uh, if so, I was there with Fitz, I would say, hey, did you see me in it? I was in the yeah. video too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I flew I, the Brave. I can do it. I can fly. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, I apologize for him for I say, hey, sorry for modifying it with a tow hook. He said, no, no, that's a good idea. I, I like that. He, oh, you remember he said he got shot down. He he wanted the tow hook installed, but they said they shut it down. Uh, apparently so. I mean, he didn't he didn't say so so many words reading between the lines. It, apparently, he wanted a tow hook on it, but it was overruled or it was not in the in the in this. I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't to be. I guess we could say that's all I'll say about that. But uh, so he said, no, no, no problem. Uh, so that, that was cool to be called out by him and and be appreciative. Yeah, of work of his baby. <laughs> well, I would uh, be interested to see this in person because even a couple of years ago, when were we in California? Two years ago or three years ago for the AMA oh, Expo? Four years yeah. ago, 2019, yeah. right? Okay, so yeah, it's been a while. Um, but even then, you had enough notoriety that people were coming up to you. But I will say that you often seemed very nervous and shy. And I always thought that you had two personalities, kind of your on-screen flamboyant persona and then your real-life reserved Fitz guy. So is there a better balance between the two now? Uh, I don't, what would you say, Lee? I, I All I could say is I love the driving buddy Fitz because uh, we just get ourselves entertained. <laughs> so I get three Fitzes. I get, there's three Fitzes I get to enjoy. The shy around fans, the this guy right now on the podcast, and then let's talk about sci-fi in the car for 10 hours, 20 hours. Did I seem shy around people that came up to me? You did. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I guess that's kind of my natural mode. I'm actually more of a um, uh, highly functional introvert. I guess you can call it. <laughs> you are very, you're very humble, and so therefore you are quiet because you want to hear people talk and you want to give them a, a moment of your time. You don't just start rambling like this little guy would do. Like, hey, I, I'm, I'm here too. Uh, so no, it's it's very nice. But uh, we could talk about teaching you proper etiquette later. Oh, okay. <laughs> the yeah. show, you know, I, I don't want to come to you. Hopefully, I don't come across as being snooty or no no or, no no or, I, or, I think that's part of your charm you, like lee said you're very humble and approachable oh okay so, uh, yeah yeah because i don't mind talking to people if you come up to me I don't, I don't mind at all i find people interesting and yeah. you know i came across it was funny i, I um came across uh was it nate nate sailor i didn't have much time to talk with him but we were both holding planes and we identified each other walked up and said hello but we couldn't shake each other's hand because we were holding planes <laughs> so we crossed tails of the airplanes <laughs> kind of a, an airplane <laughs> tail shake <laughs> and we're like did we just did, did we just invent mm -hmm. something new here <laughs> airplane tail greeting <laughs> so yeah we met nate and abby at efest in yes. 2016 long time yeah. Yeah. that was wow. before kids they didn't have any kids at that right. speaking of nathan uh if he listens to the podcast nathan you know we were grateful to see you and we we were again kind of busy so we were walking away but i did reach out to him and said, hey, we're going back to the flight line. We're going to fly plywood over because you can join us. But he didn't get to stay very long. So hmm. I hope I got a rain check from him. We need to catch up with him again and, uh, and do some yeah. videos. Yeah, I felt better with him to talk with him very long. Um, and of course, you, you, you know, um, I had a nice conversation with uh, Jason Merkel. Hmm. Of, um, Horizon Hobby Horizon, product yeah. developer. Yeah. yeah, I forgot his title, but he's one of the like chief product developer or something like that or whatever. Or marketing something. Yeah, and it was a nice conversation. It was interesting how we talked. Um, I'm getting too specific. Um, 
you know, if you watch RC groups, he and and Eve like get a lot of flack for some of the products they put out or or uh, discontinuing certain products and that kind of things. And he was telling me that he knows he he he. he he's, because I kind of I poked him a little bit about it, and, and he said, "Yes, he knows, he sees that, and he understands, and it's all really the business decision." He says, "He says actually some interesting things that uh, some, you know, they don't want to discontinue stuff. They're not in the business to discontinue stuff. They're in the business to sell airplanes, and so he says the reason why they would discontinue something is because it's just not selling, and wow. it, and it's it's a marketing thing. If it's not selling, there's no point of making more if you can't get rid of what they have, and it's just inventory eating up uh, space and um, uh, money. So, and he says some you know some planes um, will sell very well in the beginning and then just drop off like a rock. And there's some planes that uh, you know they that they want to make. They make a lot. They like airplanes, and so they'll make something they really like, and it just won't sell. And so they'll you know people say we want this, and they'll make this, and nobody buys it. Uh, and so I kind of poked him from a few months say, well, will you ever build this or make that? And he probably says, no, we probably won't um, because they just, they know it just won't, it won't be popular enough. Uh, so, uh, and it was a few planes that really broke my heart when I, when he, when he <laughs> asked him specifically, he said, what about something like this? He goes, no, we're not going to make that. And some of them be surprised. Some of them, you'd be surprised. Some certain warbirds and things like that you think would be popular. Apparently just don't sell. Yeah, I think yes. uh, when Fitz asked if they were going to build any more Japanese airplanes, and he said no, Fitz started crying. Right, uh, it came close to that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've often wondered. You know, we've been in this brushless lipo game for let's call it twenty years now. Yeah. If there's any of this stuff that was on the early side of that, that presumably there's still molds for that they could reintroduce if if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, if there's any that would be more successful now with some evolution on those products or with safe as opposed to not yeah. safe. Um, That's a good point, and yeah. they do reintroduce some things. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah. just curious. They used to make a P38, right, Lee? Um, so is there maybe, maybe. a market yeah. for a, a revamped P38? Maybe. They actually, well, they were hinting at another twin release of something. Well, I, I will tell you. Insider, I'm not afraid to say it. And Ali can call me and say, I, I deny saying that. <laughs> but we were talking to him, Phil Tallman and I were talking to him about, you know, taking the beach setup and putting it on a C-47. And huh. Ali was not going to happen. They, there's not going to be a DC-3 C-47 coming out of our shop. Huh. He said that it's just inherently, you know, tip stalls, the, the way the wing's shaped, it's just not very stable. And even with safe and AS3X, it's not a really good flight worthy airplane. And he goes, I've flown in one for real. And it's just, you know, it's all hands on deck. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and so I don't think we're yeah. going to see one, folks, just FYI. Yeah. I've got one. I've had it for a long time, the one that I used to pull my Waco glider. And it actually flies really well. It's light for its size. But I think the wing profile is not to scale. It doesn't have the tips aren't as sharp and the outer panels aren't quite as yeah. tapered. I don't think it's a little bit, but. Yeah, but I remember so, those old GWS C forty sevens. They were I like had, pylon racers. I had one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so anyway, I just uh, just kind of going on about the interesting people I, I talked to, and there's you know a lot of people in between. Of course, there's the the, the infamous Brian Phillips. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he probably did. You see the video he did? Yeah, we were yeah. cut. We were cut out of the video. I was very disappointed. Oh yeah. So <laughs> that that guy, I never met him before, and I. 
<laughs> he's a character. Yeah, uh, yeah see, that's when you could thing. use me as a bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> for, for those who don't know, what's his channel? I think it's Brian Phillips RC, isn't it? That sounds right. We'll we'll put a link in the, the show notes. Yeah. So we it looked like you two had a lot of fun. We did. He has to do a little skit, so I, I obliged and did a little skit. He had, it's posted on his video, um, uh, but we did a little skit of him coming up to me and. and I I had already commented on the video. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's but even uh, when we weren't videotaping, he, he was. Yeah, he, he's like that on and off camera. Yeah, it, there's no difference. <laughs> yeah. He's a very happy fella. He's a you really, couldn't be like, no, one. I don't do silly things on camera. That's not my <laughs> mo. <laughs> uh, anyways, right. um, well, that was fun to watch. But I digress. Yeah, and it was fun to listen to the last episode. Um, you guys mentioned me a lot. Thank you. It was the next best thing to being there. So I would like to get there. Wait, did you think that was a good thing? We, we Sometimes it was in a positive way. <laughs> Sometimes you were. Um, so, yes, thank you for that. I appreciate that uh, I wasn't forgotten. But it sounded like you guys had tons and tons of fun. You know, you you were talking, you started a conversation. I think Fitz and I walked over you, but uh, you wanted to talk about the maxi lift. Well, actually, before that, I asked you what's your best of show, and somehow you avoided that question altogether. Every plane was nice, and I can't really pick. Just pick okay. a stinking airplane. This was the best of show. The Cox PT-19. The Cox PT-19. What you agree, Fitz? Yeah, we had some really good fun at the control line. You wouldn't expect at an RC event, but the control line was sort of the icing on the cake. It's a it's model a, airplane event. It's not necessarily an RC event. Well, that's event. true, yeah. We had fun at control line. That Fitz is absolutely right. I think it was like the fountain of youth. You get over there, you get the Cox fuel all over you. Your hands are <laughs> smooth and slimy, and you're sitting there trying to turn a prop over and over again. All those memories flashback. Uh, but we did. We flew it. I had a, the last flight on the PT-19 that I had was a great circle, but long. I mean, the, the flight times kept getting longer and longer. So yeah, I think the engine was breaking in or something. It was really nice. And uh, so I got a nice this is video. the new inbox one that you bought off eBay yeah. or something. Okay. So these were the first flights on this thing? Sacrilegious. Yeah. And I'm glad yeah. I brought it because I couldn't get my one fit my Cessna 150 started. And hmm. Fitz, bless his heart, he tried and tried. And we you know did several things. And I had got it running with the new read Fitz gave me uh, just a month or two before we we left, but it just refused to ignite. So, huh. I mean, gosh, this thing started within a few flips and we were up and at them. Really? And, and this uh, was yeah. unrestored, right? It was just out of the box, put gas in it and go. That's it. Nice. So and how old is that thing? 40 years old or more? More, more. Probably more than that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's There's awesome. Fitz. There's yeah. afterwards. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all those memories flooding back. And then uh, Fitz, we still don't know what this is, but Fitz brought this little little plane. I keep forgetting the name. It's actually still made or kitted by Brodak, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Swordsman? Sword something, I think. Okay, like an old Goldberg Hefe? Yeah. It's interesting. Is it, it, it can fly at 020 or 049s. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and it's still... And it's not a cheap kit. It's at least from the current company. And it's just uh, a plank wing. It's just a plank wing. It's you know, it's all flat plate everything. It's not a difficult kit. Nothing's fancy about it. I'm not surprised how expensive it is, but uh, it flew pretty good. Uh, I think it's under propped and for 049 didn't fly all that fast, but I was fine. I'm just happy to fly it. Uh, as you know, you remember Herman? 
Herman the Burton. Club, Herman Burton. Yeah. That just that was his plane. Okay. And I got it after he passed away. I was over his house and picked it up and it all stock. I didn't replace any parts of the engine. Just just cleaned nice. it up, got it running, and it ran really started quite well. Ran for the most part, ran good. It's a little I may have to take it apart and clean it some more. It was a little the needle valve was very, yeah. Yeah. Something was inconsistent. It may have some gunk in it or something, so I need to disassemble it and take it apart. But we got a couple of good flights out of it. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. You know, um, Goldberg had another one. Maybe it was called the Wizard. It was a plank wing, but it had an airfoil shape to it. So it was just solid balsa with an airfoil shape. Ah, right, right. I wonder if that flew any better. The normal I, plank wings. Yeah, I still have to finish my bee eater. Oh, I, that too. It's painted. I just haven't, I need to probably do a couple more coats and a clear coat. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know what? I, this has inspired me though to to get it running because I've got the motor and everything. I just need to do it. Yeah. So maybe you guys will remember this, but whenever it was, the late 1990s when the profile RC foamies really got popular, mostly 3D stuff, but just sheet Depron making all these different planes and probably brushless motors. And then the beginning, Nike heads. So does that ring a bell to you? You remember that whole phenomenon when everybody had one and uh, Hobby Lobby had their Yak 55 thing? Yeah. So I remember everybody thinking it was such a revolution to just have these flat plank wings. And wow, these things fly super good. And I remember myself being astounded by that. Geez, why didn't I think of that? That you could just make it a plank wing. And then I thought back to the 049 control end planes I had when I was a kid. Oh, it's the same stinking thing. We've been doing that forever. How did that knowledge get lost in the <laughs> 20 or 30 years in between. And then somebody one day was either too dumb to know better that he should have an airfoil or she, or just, Hey, maybe, maybe we can try it here. So I wonder how that came about. I don't know. Yeah. It could be either somebody was had control line roots or somebody just, did, just thought, yeah, just on a whim build a plane with a flat plank and realize it flew pretty good. Yeah. I think there are a lot of things like that that simply come about because the person doing it doesn't know better than to do it. Right? <laughs> so I, I, I've got a hunk of foam here. I'm just going to make a glider. And yeah. Now uh, there was, wasn't there a flat plate kind of flying wing called around to it or a flying stop sign. Those were basically flat plates, weren't they? I thought that was a Michael Connolly thing. And no, 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 no. It just predates Michael Connolly. I'm talking 80s. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. No, Michael Connolly's was called Out Around. Yeah. Like twin but, IPS things. Everything. Yeah, something was called Around to It. And it was like glow powered in the 80s or something like that. Yeah, and there was, was lots of. Stop sign. Yeah, like flying stop signs and yeah. the Snoopy's doghouse. I guess some of those had airfoils too in the flying think, Porsche. Yeah, those had airfoils. Uh, yeah, but I'm sure there was stuff like three quarter inch foam that was just a plank. Yeah. So, yeah, it would just be interesting to see the evolution of those things and how nobody thought to make a, a mainstream good flying airplane with just a sheet of foam for the wing. <laughs> anyway, those are the strange things my mind wanders about. Oh, you weirdo. Yeah. All right. What are the questions you got? Well, do you agree that the PT 19 was best of show? <laughs> So once again, Lee awards best of show to himself. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. It's got for for personal reasons. I, I can very much understand that. And yeah, 
uh, yeah. That so, video you know, got a lot of traffic on Facebook. Because the PT-19, for me too, was sort of my gateway. It was the first model, flying model airplane that I ever had, never flew. And the last time I flew it, it was assisted. It wasn't even by myself. I had uh, sure. um, you know, a parental unit holding, helping you hold the handles. I wouldn't crash it. Yeah. And Was uh, that parental unit capable of flying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was an old free flight U control person. Okay. And I have a story of my mother trying it. She saw us doing it. So she wanted to try it. Mm. And the plane went, I still remember that to this day. <laughs> right. but anyway. So 40 some odd years later, did you get dizzy flying it? No, I didn't. I was worried that I would, but I didn't. It was funny when we first set up um, the planes, our lines were too short. At least my line was. I think yours was too, Lee, right? <laughs> Phil, Phil, damn it, Phil. It's, I'm calling him out right now. He he made a joke about my steps and how I need to reach <laughs> <the plane. laughs> just uh, I was like, I mean, I immediately just stared him down. I was like, damn it, Phil. <laughs> he laughed. But yeah, I walked him out and I walked, uh, I was like 10 feet off on my uh, my stride. So anyway, well, long. It comes with flying lines, right? No. Oh. It just comes with a spool, but I didn't. I didn't run that. I ran braided fishing line, oh, like fifty okay. pound test line. <laughs> that thing wasn't going anywhere, yeah. <laughs> but so it was it, too short. So we pushed it out to what 40, 50 feet. Uh, we had a ten feet. I think it was about thirty feet. I think we were at twenty. Uh, no, twenty five. I, I thought it was thirty foot radius is what was stock. I think it was 25, around 25, but we pushed it to like 35 afterwards. That, and that, was, I might, that was good. I bet I have the directions for mine. I'll go look it up and see uh, what it says. I, I knew my lines were too short when the plane was leading the lines quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Spinning pretty fast. I didn't fall down. I was okay. But it's like, I think these lines are a little too short. And so we redid them with longer yeah. lines and it was better. <laughs> yeah. Do you have the directions from yours, Lee? Uh, yeah, sure. They're in there somewhere. Okay. Didn't think to look at the. Okay. Well, wow. let's figure that out. I'm yeah. not trying to point fingers. I'm just. You curious. are absolutely pointing all your fingers. No. Hey, Lee, you did were, you read the instructions? You were saying that you didn't know what it was. I get the impression you didn't know what it was supposed to be. So you took your best guess. I was guessing 30 ish. That's what so I would have said. I, I walked wrong. <laughs> oh, you did? I walked okay. 25-ish. So it was pretty, <laughs> I saw Fitz going around like this. And, yeah, it was probably too short. So whatever they are now is is really nice. It was a nice, you know, you saw the me holding the camera and doing it. So it was a nice pace. That was a neat camera shot. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you're holding the camera, but it's basically, it shows the airplane flying in the circle from the handle's perspective. That was cool. I was inspired. Yeah. So I guess if I, since Lee took the PT-19, uh, uh, does it have to fly? Because that F-16XL. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you didn't get to see it fly? He hugged it, by the way. I don't know no, if I, no. I should have got a picture of it. But yeah, he was, I think he even licked it too. He was like all over it. It's mine now. <laughs> Dibs. <laughs> so if, if you're listening to the show, I'm open to uh, Save the Fitz Fund, uh, Patreon, whatever. You're welcome to donate to the Fitz F-16XL Fund. <laughs> yeah, if you were in your workshop surrounded by mountains of airplanes, 
I'm sure you'd get lots of donations for more airplanes to add uh, to the mountain yeah. of airplanes. Global Aerojet is the name of the company. Go look up uh, Global yeah. Aerojet six scale F-16 XL turbine jet G2 carbon. It's nice. And enjoy it on all its glory. I, I tell you, somebody, one of those, one of the jet EDF companies needs to make a nice 90 millimeter version of it or something like that. That would be just really nice. I'd suck that up in a New York minute. It's a free wing or somebody made one of those. Well, I think that's the problem. You and maybe a half dozen other people would want yeah. that over a normal F-16. Yeah, that's you know, that's probably the same thing when I was talking to Horizon. It's, you know, you'd get, you know, Couple dozen people that buy them immediately, and then nobody will buy them. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think we tend to have eclectic tastes, and so the stuff that we would like to see you would just tell them you'll buy at least two. <laughs> Maybe go. that'll help. Yeah. All right. So, what else should I ask about Jonal? Um, so, were there things that you were there for a full week? Well, not quite a full week. You got there on Tuesday evening and left. Four days. Dark. We were there for four days. We lost That's a day because of weather. Uh, well, you were still, that doesn't count. You still got to hang out and see things and do things, right? Okay. I think having rain and not being able to fly still should be mentioned. But yes, we did hang out. Would you rather have been at home with the sunshine or Jonal in the rain? All right. Thank you. So, I assume you still didn't get to see all the things you wanted to see. So what's on your got to do list when you go back? Oh, well, you completely just brushed over float fly. I didn't brush over anything yet. Oh, I'll get back to that. Thank you for the reminder. Well, you didn't, you didn't ask about float fly. Not yet, but I did ask about something that you're not answering. Uh, what? When you go back, what, what gap do you have to fill the, after two trips there? What have you not done yet that you want to get done? Well, I, I can answer for Fitz helicopters. But yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I needed to, I, re, I didn't need a chance to go to the helicopter section at all this time. And I, I felt bad because I brought a helicopter with me, but I didn't oh, no kidding. make it. Yeah. All right. I, I hope next time, because Fitz didn't bring one, but we do more night flying. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I oh. dumb, dumb me forgot my night flyer combat <laughs> bring something for combat i yeah, that's you know it's, it's i have a love-hate relationship with combat you know it's like i do it and I, but there was it was i got some good video i'll say that i didn't gosh and that reminds me i haven't shown that video yet but i have that awesome takedown of their glider you saw it fits didn't you during combat is the it tail? was it a calypso what was the name of the glider that y'all were flying that got cut What's in half it's an old fly zone model. Thought it was a radian. Radian clips are they, they were similar. But no, okay. was, yeah, you're right. I think it was a clip, so not a radian. Yeah. So there was a combat. <laughs> I was wheeling up plywood overcast when they were about to start combat. I didn't know they were getting ready for combat. They go, "All oh, right, he's bringing plywood," <laughs> and I thought I was a drone in the sky. Right. Uh, but you know, you do, you see it, you watch it. The people are laughing. It's like if I brought another cam by plane, I'm going to do a thunder and lightning and I'm going to add streamers to it. Yeah, that's it. And that's that's they we need to just bring piles of streamers because that would have made it so much more fun just to yeah. see things getting stuck in streamers and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, combat was good. And float fly would definitely spend another whole day there. And, and then this time I'd probably hang out at um, 3D or next time hang out at 3D and get some more footage because I yeah. I completely didn't do anything this year. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so now let's go. Also, I probably would bring list. a boat, <laughs> like an RC boat. Yeah. Okay. There's a several out there. Yeah, I believe it. Good. All right. That's a good point. So at float flying, you took your twin otter on floats, and what else did you guys have? Right. Oh, so I also had my UMX twin otter on floats, and I had oh, my um, uh, uh, what is that called? Timber. Timber, yeah. The regular. Uh, okay. No, the regular timber, but it's like the uh, the turbo timber on okay. float as well. Uh, I don't think I had any other float planes. No, those are two, but those were good. Those was a nice, nice mix. I had a lot okay. of fun with both of them. We can compare notes because I flew my UMX twin otter the other day yeah. on floats off of water. I'd flown it off of snow with the floats, but I finally oh, right, right. flew it off of water. Oh, good. And uh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised because I felt like I had to actually give it some elevator to get it to leave the, it, it sticks to the water. Yeah, it, it sticks. The surface tension apparently is quite a bit for it. Yeah. So you, you got to kind of pop it off the water. Yeah. It gets on plane pretty easily, but then yeah, it, it's not going to fly off without you yeah. giving it some input. But that differential thrust was really good in the water. Oh, yeah. Did awesome. I send you the video, Terry, of him doing little circles around my it, otter? I thought you posted it on Facebook. Yeah, did I I couldn't I couldn't find it here. So I I was looking for it. I wanted to show that right now, but uh yeah. that was fun. <laughs> yeah. And seeing that video made me think if you could have found somebody else with a UMX twin otter, it'd be like a mama duck with little baby ducks swimming around it. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, we had a, a couple of geese in their little Geeslings? What are they? What are they called? Baby hmm. geese. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. What are they called? Yeah, some gooses. Right. Yeah, 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 they came fairly close to us. Ah, they weren't yeah. um, vicious. No, no, no. They were just kind of yeah. hanging around. Well, yeah. I, I didn't jump at them like I was telling people I was going to go do. I, said, no, I was yeah. like, I, I could grab that little chicken right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was neat. I got a chance to fly Tom Soylent. Oh yeah. The short big four engine short song. Oh, Tom, who? Blakeney. Oh, was he there? Yeah, he was there. Him and oh, Richard Dean. Okay. Oh, cool. So, uh, right behind this... us in camping. Okay. Awesome. So, was this an Ivan Pettigrew Solent? I mean, originally designed for probably Geared 400 or Direct Drive uh, 400? I believe so. So, I, from what I've heard, those are designed super light and fly really well. Uh, yeah, this one was lighter than I thought because I helped. Tom put it in the water at first, and I was like, "Whoa, man, this thing is lighter than I thought." Yeah. Uh, he's got, I think he said, I think he said he had Speed Four Hundred class brushless motors in it. As a matter of fact, okay, uh, and one just one three cell, I don't know, three thousand, four thousand million power battery pack, and it's really interesting um, slide mechanism um, uh, to get the battery in and out. It's a real, mm -hmm. it's like a, a, a half moon uh, trolley <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and my surprise, Tom said, Hey, you want to try it? Like, uh, you sure, betcha. differential sure. thrust. Um, yes, okay, I believe it has differential thrust. yes. Um, but you know, once in the air, you don't really need to touch it, but yeah, uh, yeah, you let me take off and land. It flies really nice, it's, it's a little bit lumbering as you expect that kind of plane, sure, that's uh, how you want it, but yeah, it flies nice, lands really nice, really, really nice. The plane to land just kind of settles in and just really smooth. And that's a four-engine thing, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, I guess a patrol bomber or something? Uh, um, anti-submarine or something? Yeah, I think the library he had was, was a military one. Okay. 
Might have been might be the passenger version of it too, but yeah, we'll have to ask him. But I assume that's an Ivan Pettigrew design, and he's a Canadian guy that designs lightweight multi-engine airplanes. Mm. Um, I think he's got a website, so we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, okay. um, so yeah, his stuff is just famous for being super well designed for Speed Four Hundred. Just lightweight, looks good, flies good, all that kind of stuff. So I've always wanted to build one, but I think they're pretty labor intensive because of all that. Yeah, look, it was a lot of work, and of Tom says he's going to have to do some recovering of it. He got it built, and the covering started to come off. So yeah. he was like regluing pieces of it for <laughs> each flight. Yeah, right. yeah, I'd love to get my hands on one already built. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Um, so you flew now, Lee. You had flown your bigger twin otter off of water before, right? Or was this the first time? Nope, I flew it, Seth. Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right, so those were the three planes you guys flew off the water? Yep, and did not require access to the boat of shame. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Although we saw a couple that needed it. We saw quite a few that needed it, yeah. <laughs> we saw a mid-float. Two planes collided on the, on the water. Ouch. Yeah. One was underwater. <laughs> yeah. One was yeah. overwater. <laughs> One was floats up after that. And then we <laughs> saw a guy release the smoke from his carbon Z-cub. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No. Ooh, yeah. yeah. On the water? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You can't get to it. Nice. So, no, no, I didn't take the boat of shame. Boat of shame got some good use uh, <laughs> that week. Yeah. All right. And no incidents from either of you on that? No. no. Okay. Good. So what was the most interesting float plane you saw there? Well, I'll have to say that... Uh, Twin Otter. Uh, <laughs> <no>. Shocker. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did you see, besides the, uh, I didn't get to fly the short. I was busy watching my son's baseball game. It was happening uh, at the same time. You forgot about the uh, Radiant on floats. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was very interesting. <laughs> well, it does bring up a technical question, so I'll throw it at Terry. There's a guy who put a Radiant on floats. Taxing I've... was... I've seen a UMX Radian on floats before, or a, a centerline float with outriggers. I've seen that at the Neat Fair, and it did well. Okay, this one did sort of well. <laughs> so he, you know, big Radian, he he did take off, but then we heard a splash, and then his motor was not. It sounded as if the timing was way off because it was like. Mm -hmm. So the question I have for you is, if you have that problem, is that water on the ESC or is that water in the motor? Because yes. we were we were going back and forth. I said it was water in the motor. I think well, water... If, I, I potentially, think if it's bridging the FETs, either at the motor end or the ESC end, it's going to be the same effect, right? Yeah, I was thinking it's probably more likely to be more water in the ESC. Okay, so that's Fitz. Fitz yeah. is on the ESC side. I was on the motor side. but yeah. On a brushless motor, because we both admitted, you know, when you, you break in brush motors in water, that's not a big deal. But in this yeah. case... But in any case, he couldn't. He had to go to the boat of shame. He was stuck out there. <laughs> well, do you know if it worked when he dried everything out? We didn't stick around. Right. We were busy. Yeah. Places to Hopefully. go. Things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Steak, steak and barbecue to eat. Steak to eat. Uh, steak to cook. <laughs> yeah. Oh, steak to cook. Yeah. <laughs> but see, now you have me wondering. So, you know, typically freshwater would not be conductive. So Yeah, it's a poor conductor. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 
I wonder if that would have been an issue at all. I know I've had servos go crazy with fresh water. So, yeah, I don't know. That would be an interesting. I mean, it still happened. Yeah. It still could it happen. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, Lee, tell me what I forgot to ask this time. Are we an hour into talking about Jonal? I'm going to give a shout out to Phil Tallman. Thanks for hanging with us. You were a joy to to befriend and you know first time i got to hang out with him and he was with us thick and thin and oh nice we had a great time and he you know also joined us at the control line even got his hands on the stick so yeah yeah he was real trooper and you know there's just it was too many moments to just put on this podcast but phil did purchase a habu when he was out there i think he may have even purchased it and had it shipped to his hotel if i think that was the correct story and i had my little umx habu so he and i flew together on the flight line <laughs> our, our little habus so that was entertaining and then the first time he let me fly the habu we couldn't get safe off <laughs> it was like turn <laughs> it took forever bending to those the sticks yeah, yeah so i made one turn and i came and landed and he was able to disable the safe, but that was funny. Yeah, apparently I got it after because he let me fly his habu too. Yeah, uh, it was much better. <laughs> <laughs> what size is Phil's? It's fifty the one millimeter. That, one up from the UMX. Yeah. So okay. yeah, fifty. Yeah, it was fifty. Yeah, they're like timbers. There's all sorts of variants of habus yeah. now. It's a nice flight little model. I had a lot of fun with it. I was like, well, yeah. I had never flown that size one before, and it was pretty cool. What size battery does he use? I don't remember. 12S, 20,000. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that, there was a guy out there that had the same, um, the old school Model Works Javelin. Oh, right. He had one. Uh, but he had his was like an eight cell version. Oh, wow. I think. Yeah, he was, he was a little amped up more than mine. Was that one of Jeffrey Arsenault's clubmates? I think it was. I thought I saw one with a Rhode Island reference. It's a Rhode Island, that, yeah, it was a Rhode Island contingent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we had that. Um, so yeah, shout out to our, our Rhode Island peeps too. They, they were real nice, and uh, he let me fly his uh, was it Crescendo in the combat for a bit too. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So, so if somebody really... lets you fly their plane in combat, they're they're just signing the pink slip over. <laughs> Yeah, they I don't expect to get it back. Hard with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, um, I think he said it was 8S. I might be confusing, com confusing it with another plane. But anyways, he had it. He had one of the javelins out there, and I thought it was pretty neat to, to see that. And, uh, but anyways, I, yeah. I forget. You have a javelin, right? Yes, I do. Okay. I did a review on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I knew you I had mean, some sort of old school model works plane, but I couldn't yep. remember which. So what you're showing Lee here? Oh, this is the helicopter in is that a uh um ultimate bike, I guess maybe flying, flying in formation. formation. That's crazy. Yeah. There's some neat stuff. Giant loop. Yeah, and they had new time demos and stuff. I missed I'm I don't know if Lee saw any, but I kept missing them. Um they had a dawn patrol too every morning at like six in the morning. You can hear <laughs> all the World War One airplanes were going up, flying around. <laughs> yeah. So this is the Thursday afternoon demo right before the rains. You can see it's raining now if you look if you're watching this video. But this is on AMA's Facebook page. That uh, you know for us this is not too bad. But this is over twenty five thousand views. But it's got a lot of shares, like one hundred and forty five shares. Yeah. Oh, yeah uh, and so there are probably other pages that are doing a lot more <laughs> likes and comments. 
versus uh, just on the AMA page. But boy, mm -hmm. they had fun. Let me, can you see that rain coming down, Terry? Did yeah. you get to see this? Yeah. But those two had a fine. As soon as they landed, that was done. <laughs> <laughs> we got, everybody picked up and moved their planes. But such talent with, between these two guys. So this was yeah. very entertaining. Yeah, for sure. Oh, cool. Anyway. So this was the rain out day that you said didn't even count. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Because so I wasn't this, flying. <laughs> right. So you guys did a thing. You rented a camper on site. Mm -hmm. How did that work out? <laughs> what are you pointing at me? Uh, it worked. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't terrible. It was pretty nice for the most part. Um, you know, there's, there's some nitpicks we had here and there, but I think for the most part, it was very convenient. We were right across the street, literally from the uh, electric flight line. Oh, I mean, it was awesome. literally like, a, I don't know what you call it, maybe a hundred foot walk or something like that. Was that just pure luck? Or kind of, sort of. Yeah. Although shout out to Tom and, and Richard again, cause they, they found the spot and said, Hey, go here. And they gave us a GPS uh, spot or something like that. So mm. we were able to pull up there and it was, it was pretty nice. Um, very close. It was convenient. Even if you need to walk back and forth to the trailer a couple of times, it was still convenient for that. It was mm. really, really nice spot right in the electric line. Um, uh, so when you guys described it beforehand, I was picturing a motorized RV that somebody was going to drive up there and park, but it no. was a like a fifth wheel trailer or something. Yeah, not even a fifth wheel, but it was a trailer. Okay, yeah. uh, and it was I mean, it was fairly large, relatively speaking. But um, when they say how many is supposed to sleep, leaves like uh, four. Four? Did I say four? Okay, so technically yes, four. But when I say four, I mean husband, wife, and two kids. Like, Snow White and three of the dwarfs. Yeah. So husband and wife would share a bed and the kids have basically capsule bunk beds. <laughs> uh, although I got to head it to my friend Greg because he's six something, six two or something like that. He's your, your, your height, Terry, uh -oh. uh, and a little more heavy set. And he got into the top bunk. <laughs> no problem. Wow. I was like, you can take the bottom bunk. Like, no, I'll get on the top. <laughs> And set it up like the space station with vertical sleeping bags. Yeah. <laughs> Just have your own pod. Yeah. But it was nice having your own private bathroom. The, the refrigerator oh, nice. uh, was, was nice. Um, but this is, there was a gas stove we never used. It was a microwave. Lee used, I think, a couple of times. Um, and it had it, the storage for stuff. But um, the, the one thing this art would have made this RV much better, which the previous previous one we rented for flight fest texas is that the wall didn't expand oh that's yeah, what made the yeah. difference and yeah. so therefore the hallway between the bathroom and the master bedroom was just too tight yeah, so if that had a wall that extended outward that would have been way more comfortable hmm. yeah so was that the most glamorous package there was next to bringing your own rv are there different levels of trailer that you can rent yeah, I mean, well, was your first choice a little nicer and yeah. that got booked? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was longer too. Okay, so there's varying levels that you can, yeah, okay. Now, I have to mention, there was some really fancy stuff out there. I'll bet if you got these guys, it's just funny to see these RVs, they must have been 50 feet long, towing a trailer that was 30 feet long, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> matching paint job. Yeah, uh, it was some nice stuff, but there was some there was some money out there uh, with some of those oh, self-propelled RVs. Patios out there, barbecue grills, tons yeah, of was, chairs. Yeah, yeah, they were uh, set for vacation. 
I I can appreciate those things. I know some people really love that lifestyle, but I like to travel light. The thought of barreling down the highway and a rig like that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. It sounds like zero fun to me. <laughs> so, But what you guys talked about is showing up and having your little hotel room there on the field. To me, that sounds ideal. So hopefully- it was, yeah. I mean, I think we'll, if we do that again, uh, we're going to get a different RV. We'll probably talk about the size. And again, I think an, an expanding wall would greatly benefit the comfort of it. But uh, Fitz and I, we ran the generator 24-7. And we ran it at night, too, because we wanted the air conditioner. It was and a semi-sensitive jerks. It was, <laughs> it was pretty quiet. It wasn't a very loud generator. So, and there were other people running generators. So we weren't just like by ourselves, you know, running lights and all that stuff. But I do remember when I turned it off to add gas, some guys next to us goes, ah, oh, you hear that? It's quiet. <laughs> uh-huh. right, so, you know what? Comfort be damned. I'm going to turn that sucker on and run the AC. And that was another little thing is that we needed the refrigerator. We had beverages and milk in there. So it would, it had to be powered by electricity, not I think it had an option for gas, but those are awful. We we had one before. It didn't work. So we needed to run the generator to keep that thing cold. Okay. But I digress. That's a whole other, whole other podcast on how to pick your RV. And I'm sure there are some people who can even give us better advice. But All right. it wasn't terrible. And I will give uh, kudos to the host. You know, it was there. It was ready for us. And we showed up. He gave us a nice little tour. And it was ready to move in immediately when we got there. Only problem we had was the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I'm not sure. And, well, two problems we had was the door and the water. But the door did not want to shut if you closed it from the inside. You could push it closed from the outside. But it was very odd to try to get the door to shut interior. So there was a lot of slamming for that door. <laughs> not my property. No big deal. Even the guy who gave it to us told us, yeah, we just got to fill it with it. But the water pressure had some problems. And it was just pulsating the entire time. And yeah, the water was kind of weird. It was inconvenient, but it wasn't a tragedy. We still had water. Yeah. All right. So we've been on Joe Nall here for an hour. I, yeah. I didn't think we were going to spend that long. So let's try to wrap that up. Sure. Um, final thoughts. What What did I not ask about? What did you not mention? What's the takeaway from this thing? We're planning to go back next year? I don't think we're going to go back. I'm not going to go back next year. I'd like to open up my possibilities for other events. It's definitely, it's definitely a bucket list item for you. For those of you who are listening who've never been to Jonal and you can make it there, book it. Start planning now what you want to bring, which RV you want to take, you know, where do you want to park? Are you a 3D person? That's another thing. It's like the, the camping areas are enormous. They're oh. just trailers everywhere. And the 3D area is pretty crowded. And it was odd when I like took a shower Saturday afternoon and just half the half the RVs were gone. And that's another thing. I was I was surprised how many people left Saturday, weren't you, Fitz? Yes and no. We kept we kept hearing that Saturday was going to be you know basically completely dead, and it wasn't. A lot of people did leave on Saturday, especially vendors. Basically, vendors were hasta la pasta by Saturday morning, uh, but there were still a fair number of people there. And it was actually a really good time to fly because nothing was crowded. So you can go pretty much anywhere and fly your hearts out. We had the without... float flight all to ourselves for several hours. Yeah. Really? Nice. So, yeah, if you really want a day to fly, Saturday was actually a really good day just to go fly. Hmm. Okay. 
All right. So I guess I got to add it, but I don't want to go without you guys. So we'll figure out a time then we can all go back. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe make it the next time we go is when we, all three of us can go at the same time. Yeah. Because you know, I, I have no pressing need to go again next year. It's nice. I had a lot of fun, but it's not something I need to go to every year. Gotcha. Although I all did right. tell Fitz it's the 42nd. <laughs> it's a secret to life to, yeah. and everything. Yeah. We'll just have to go to another event that's 42. That's all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So I think with that, we need to take a short break because my dog probably needs to be let out to go tinkle. So uh, let's take five and come back. Hey, does that mean we're going to get intermission music again? I will. Nice. We'll have to all pick right. something good. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so what's next on the agenda? That's a good question. We have an agenda? Okay, what's next on the imaginary agenda? agenda. Yeah, agenda. <laughs> well, I can talk about some stuff that I was doing while you guys were gallivanting in North Carolina. Oh, stop yeah, yawning. Yeah. Cut it out. <laughs> Be nice to me. All right, what kind of cool and unusual things were you doing while we were gallivanting? I don't know if I'd call them unusual, but I think they were cool. Okay. So in the fall last year, I was kind of on a buying frenzy um, just because good deals kept falling into my lap. Yeah, um, and okay. Yeah, right. In that frenzy, I ended up buying two sailboats. One was the Pro Boat Westward, which is a smaller thing. I don't know dimensions on any of these, but it's a smaller size sailboat, smaller than average. And I got that locally up here. And then a little while later at the swap meet I went to at the Oshkosh um, or the EAA uh, facility, I bought what Lee is showing on the screen here, a Dragon Force 65. And I picked that up because you guys spoke highly of this sailboat before. So I bought both of these things. I don't know. I think one was in September, the other whenever. Um, but I had not used either one of them. And then, of course, the lake froze over, yada, yada, yada. But sometime while you guys were at Journal, the lake is in great shape. The dock is back in. And I said, hey, I need to figure out these sailboats. So I spent some time making sure everything worked. I put some rechargeable batteries in the westward. And the Dragon Force uses dry cells. But anyway, I got everything set up, took them out. And boy, do they work great. The westward's fun. Um, it needs a little bit of wind to do the things it wants to do. But the Dragon Force, it seems like whether there's any wind you can feel or not, it's going to go in the direction it's pointed. <laughs> the amount of wind is just how fast it goes. And you can tack it into the wind easily. It, I didn't expect it to be great because it's like an off-brand thing, Joy's Way. What the heck is Joy's Way? Right? Toy-grade stuff. But no, this is like a for real nice sailboat. 
not that I know anything about sailboats, but in my opinion, it's nice because I don't know anything about sailboats and it, it just works. I, whoever built it, I assume had to do some rigging and trimming and all that. I got it ready to go. The transmitter looks kind of hokey. I assume you guys use the stock transmitter, just kind of a, a rectangle with a couple joysticks on it. Um, so at first I was a little apprehensive, but even that works great. Um, the thing just goes and I have no complaints about it. It's easy to, to take it wherever you want it to go. And if there is a little bit of a breeze and you get it going downwind, that sucker moves like fast. <laughs> so I've been having a ball with it. Um, it sounds like it. You're just all excited. I am because the only sailboat I've had before this was the Aqua Craft. Was it called a Paradise? The thing, you know, Aqua Craft was Tower Hobby or the Hobby Co. House brand. And this was kind of a beginner's sailboat. And I remember I wrote an article about it five or six years ago. And the intent of the article was um, RC sailboats for people who don't know about RC sailboats. And I, it was a first person uh, experience at the time. And I remember getting that and having some trouble with it. The You're going to have to help me with terminology here. There's the keel that's below the hull. And then there's the weight at the bottom. What's that weight called? Is it just a ballast? I think it's called the keel bulb. Okay, maybe that's it. So on that Aquacraft boat, it just wasn't heavy enough. And so it would tend to lean over rather than go forward in the wind. And the rudder was way too small, so you, you couldn't make it turn when you needed it to. So I ended up making some modifications to that one that it worked okay, but it was never great. But I tell you what, with this Dragon Force... I put it in and did exactly what I thought it should do mm. from mm. the get go. Like and, easy mode, huh? Ah, and well, haven't you um, sailed one before, Fitz? No, never. Oh, really? But Lee, you used to have one until you sold it. it okay. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Even when it seems to be static in the water, when you turn the rudder, it just plops right around in whatever direction. And I don't know. I'm maybe I'm spoiled by having a not great experience before. And so now I've, a regular experience is just blowing me away, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. And then the Westward too. Um, it's infinitely better than that Aquacraft sailboat was. And so I've been taking them out a couple times. Um, just if I see a little bit of a breeze on the lake, I'll take them out and sail them around. And the neighbors have fun watching them. And right before we started recording today, actually, I was playing with my dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll explain. So I um, made a dingy looking thing. It's just a piece of three quarter inch blue foam in the shape, like an overhead shape of a dingy pointy bow and flat uh, transom. And I drilled a hole through it, put a quarter 20 nylon bolt. And I mounted my Insta360 Go camera and it just trails behind the sailboat. Uh, it goes behind the, I guess either one, but I did the dragon 65. Yeah. I trailed behind it and videoed while it was going. There was almost no breeze at this time, so there's not any exciting footage. This was kind of a test run. Um, I haven't looked at the footage yet, but I'm excited by what that'll pick up. You can't see the string that's pulling it, so it should just look like there's a camera in the water following the sailboat. We'll see what happens. Cool. What yeah. you looking for, Fitz? Did you drop a screw? Yeah, something drop, something sharp's on the floor. Hold on. <laughs> Oh man, why couldn't we do this live? 
Okay. That was good. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, I should have brought it up here. I don't have it with me. But another thing that I did while you guys were off at Joe Null, I have talked about the F-14 before. I don't remember where I left off with that. But I've been flying it a bunch. And I've been doing the hand launch. And I may have been a little apprehensive about hand launching it. As Fitz said, that was without merit. The thing launches so easy with the safe mode thing. Uh, just give it a firm toss into the wind and boom, it's gone. And what I ended up doing, speaking of my Insta360 Go, I rigged it up so that I could do some in-flight footage. So I've got onboard footage of the F-14 flying. And you can see the wing sweep. And yeah, it's pretty That's cool. impressive because it's not a big plane. So how did it handle the extra weight and drag? It didn't seem to matter at all. And interestingly, the, the Insta360 Go 2, that's the camera I'm using, that plus a 4 cell 1300 is almost exactly the weight of a 4 cell 2200. So I, I rigged it up. So I was using the smaller battery when I flew with the camera. And so oh, weight wise, okay. it's almost exactly the same. But yeah, you've got a camera hanging out in the breeze too. Yeah. Um, but it just it doesn't seem to care. It, I didn't notice any adverse flight performance. And also, interestingly, you know, I'm not a person who keeps it firewalled all the time, but obviously you need some more power when you're flying with the camera. But even when I was using that 1300, um, I was getting flights more than three minutes, which is, I think wow, the manual tells you to set a timer for three and a half, um, but I never hit low voltage cutoff. So yeah, I'm really impressed with it. And I'm getting much more comfortable with the airplane, flying it with the wing swept. And so... I think last time we talked, I had not flown it fully swept yet. Um, but now I've flown it with wings fully forward in the middle and swept and with safe on, safe off. I'm getting much more comfortable just yanking it around. I think it still needs a large area, even in the best circumstances, to just to haul it around because it's it's moving pretty fast. But it's fun. And one thing I did, uh, this was before my most recent outing with it, I finally decided that it needed more color contrast. So I painted the outer parts of the wing panels and the tailorons a bright red. Hmm. So I, I don't know, maybe it could pass as a scale uh, trim scheme. Maybe not. Anybody who knows anything about F-14s would say, hey, there weren't any F-14s painted like that. But that's okay. I'd rather have it non-scale paint scheme than a pile of foam buried in the ground. So yeah, I, I that, think I might do the same thing with mine, repaint it. Yeah, that little I mean, splash of color really helps when you're doing helps. those downwind passes. Yeah, yeah, because that little visibility gray that it is now. <laughs> I was like, I feel for you because I know I've had an F-16 all gray flying in cloud of sky, and it's very hard to see. But when you have someone flying plywood overcast and say, "Is it upside down?" It's <laughs> 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 like, yeah, you. Don't care about what color things are. Paint them bright red. You know, put sparklers on it or something. I could. I just. I. I don't think I could fly anything that fast and that and that gray anymore. How's that? Yeah, I remember some of my initial flights were in overcast conditions, and I'm like, "Yep, gray does not work here. That's tough." But even on a sunny day, when I was in that far away downwind pass, um, I was like, "You know what? It could definitely be better than what it is." So I did those outer panels, and it seems to help a lot. There's probably some placebo effect in that, but um, it definitely, there's some 
positive influence there. So. I'm, I'm reminded when I was at Ceph, a guy there had this F-22 foamy. It was kind of large, actually. And one whole corner you know, or half of the wing was red and painted red. And he actually said it's from uh, a sci-fi show or something like that, that there's a, an enemy plane that's like they said, OK, that's cool. He goes, but it makes it so much easier to see. And then right. when if I'd see him flagging the, during the day, I was like, yep, I could see that red wingtip. Yep. <laughs> So I tried to be good about it. I looked up all sorts of different F-14 color schemes that were true. And there's one that NASA has or had, and it's got some more color on it. And I'd seen some RC models of that NASA one that had more red than the real one. And so I just took that as artistic license to, to just throw some red on this one and keep the rest of the Navy scheme and not worry about it. Add some yeah. glitter. Some I'll dip it in glitter and yeah, some glitter. Go Hobby Lobby's your friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just squeeze some Elmer's glue on it and spritz the glitter on. And did, did we ever work out what scale that F fourteen is? I wonder if it's like one thirty second scale or something. Oh, it's got to be close to that. Yeah, I could crunch the numbers and figure it out, but I never uh, have. Because there may be a whole bunch of uh, decal sheets for plastic models that you could use on it. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess you a, could if it's a close well, to it. The thing is, I suspect if you tried to pull the stickers off that are on there, you'd probably pull the paint with it. So yeah, yeah, you'd be committing uh, to a full. I might do a complete repaint, just paint over everything, you know, a whole new scheme, and put some new decals yeah. on it. Anyways, yeah, but that's just me. Yeah. So anyway, fun airplane. Um, I'll keep flying it till I destroy it. So if anybody yeah. out there has one and they're nervous to hand launch it, don't worry about it. Just Give it a go. It works great. Yeah. Just make sure you're using that safe mode. Yeah, I saw one at uh, Nal. Guy just hand launched it. No problem. As well. Yep. Um, so mo most of the time I fly now, I, safe mode, launch, then I turn safe mode off, and that's it. That's yeah. The whole flight is safe mode for the first 10 seconds, and then the rest is manual. What were you saying? Thank so I was saying, speaking of hand launch, I golf clap for Fitz, hand launching my T-33. Your oh, yeah. show? It was excellent. It was oh, thanks. Near perfect. Glad Wish I someone know. had videotaped it. <laughs> <laughs> you took your Kyosho yeah. 233 to yep. Nal, mm -hmm. the old Graben. Yeah, example? the Graben one. Yeah, it's okay. funny because Fitz goes, You're gonna paint that? I was like, I did paint it. He goes, It's just gray. I said, That's exactly what Graben flew. <laughs> oh, great. So did you it. get is it all tweaked out now? Where you were having some trim issues with it before, I thought. Yeah, like well, yeah, I uh, think my, and kind of like your uh, parallax, I think I had a weight in the nose of the T-33 that went MIA. I don't know. And so when Fitz hand launched it, that sucker just was, oh my God, it was wacky as hell. And Fitz will tell you, I was struggling to hold on to it. I got it down, landed it, and I had to add like two ounces of lead back into the nose and mm. got it to fly. But after that, it was great. And I had some a lot of fun flying it. So maybe when you go over that bumpy section of Bro Bridge on I-10, any airplane that has weights in it just sits down. Exactly. So, you know, the repair crews going, what's all this lead on the yeah, ground? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to sweep out the trailer, you're going to find. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a fun fun plane. Right. If you, you haven't started yours, have you? My, no. Well, I've got three of them now, so I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> How about you get on one of those? I should. I, I've got a backlog. You were talking about the electro streak before. I, I'm at a 
state where I'm almost ready to start covering, and I've been at that state for about a month, so I really need to turn the, the corner on that one. Okay. Yeah, so I've done sailboats. I've done the F-14. I'm sure I've done other stuff. Oh, I flew that um, gyro, autogyro, the rainbow autogyro. Flew that again, and hmm. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a little bit calmer on this day. I got in one flight, and that was really good, and I went to fly it again, and it had been blown over. It was on the ground, but the gust of wind blew it on the side, and I noticed when I went to fly it the second time that the tilt servo had stripped. So I guess there's just a lot of leverage in that head on the on the servo. Yeah, there is. You need a beefy servo for that, uh, for the head. Yeah, so I replaced it with a Metal Gear servo, and uh, I'll try it again when I get an opportunity. I'm going to be flying tomorrow, so we're recording this on the Sunday before Memorial Day. Um, oh, so, yeah. Uh, looks like good weather up here again tomorrow. Today was fabulous. Um, I didn't do any flying. I did do some sailboat time, as I mentioned, and I did some fishing, uh, but uh, planning you to know, fly tomorrow. Rub it in. Austin and I packed the car. We were heading to the club, and I saw a bolt of lightning in our field. Pulled up the map, and our club was under heavy rain. So we uh -huh. went shopping instead. <laughs> we went to Academy and bought stuff and then came home. Uh -huh. So maybe we'll go fly tomorrow. All right. So I've got a, another couple items on my list here. The next one is a question for the two of you. So I had someone write to me. This is, uh, I think, primarily through my column in the magazine. But they wrote to me and they were a little bit concerned because they sold a model at a swap meet. And per AMA rules and tradition, they had their information on the model. So normally you would put your name and address in case it flew away. But now we have to put our FAA ID and whatever information on there. So he sold a model but forgot to take that information out. And he was concerned about it and thought that maybe that airplane could be used for nefarious things and it would come back to him now. So I sent him a response with my thoughts on that, but rather than uh, lead you down my path, I thought I'd ask you guys what you think of that. Have you ever sold an airplane that you forgot to do it? Have you ever bought an airplane that had somebody else's or is it? Yeah. First thing I'm thinking shit. of there, some nefarious person goes to a swap meet, looks for planes that have labels for people or other pilots in it that they can use to, blame that person for said thing maybe they weren't nefarious to begin with maybe they were sitting on the fence and accidentally this is... nefarious like, oh well, <laughs> nonchalant look what we have here. <laughs> yeah. i mean no i mean you can say the same thing about having someone having a firearm stolen you know that the serial never turned up but they reported it stolen or something like that this person at the swap meet will say yeah i sold that plane months ago is that, what the, is that how nefarious you're talking about? Like them using it for no good? Yeah, I, I don't know. Or if, even if it's an accident, that I person that, doesn't bother to take the information out either. And then they plow it into a schoolyard and, you know, the information they find goes back to the other person. Right. So I guess we'll offer a PSA in our Facebook page or our website. Before you sell that plane, erase mm -hmm. all data. <laughs> erase all stickers that point it back to you. Let's hope no one nefariously steals plywood overcast. We'll be in oh, big God. trouble then. That could be some damage. <laughs> well, actually, we'll just blame RC Plane Lab. Their stickers on the back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a part that's going to survive, right? Actually, all the names on plywood overcast are now nefarious. <laughs> yeah, <you're> all <laughs> Let's arrest all these people. <laughs> 
suckers signed it. <laughs> Our plan is working. <laughs> so, Sorry, your turn, Fitz. Well, not quite. Um, it oh. will be in a second. So, you know, this made me think, you know, do I really go through an effort to remove all traces of my identity when I sell a plane? Yeah, I've got labels on them that usually I have a label maker and I usually put that on as a label. And if I think about it, I'll pull it off. But I've never said, boy, I really need to go through, you know, stem to stern and make sure it's all gone. <laughs> so hmm. anyway, I'm, I'm like, I'm apologizing to someone who takes my stuff. It's like, hey, I'm sorry about that scratch right there. <laughs> it's like, right. A, okay, I'm sorry. So I've got another comment, but I want to hear Fitz's uh, yeah, feedback first. Well, I, I think it's highly unlikely that they would it would be anything nefarious. Now, there's a possibility that you know something accidental may happen uh, if your name is on it, but I don't know. You know, you know if you can prove you you're not culpable, you sold a plane, you're no you're not in that area, you weren't you know you have alibis. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be hard to pin pin it on you if you sold a plane and no longer in possession of it. But then that said, I think it is a good idea to remove all that stuff if you can before you sell it. But I got, obviously, this guy was talking about after the fact. So, right. uh, if it was me, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Personally speaking, um, okay. Just, just, just remember next time to remove all that stuff. Yeah. Beforehand. All right. Yeah, it sounds like we're all on the same page. That's basically what I said to him. The odds of anything coming of that are so extremely slim that it's just not worth any anxiety. Um. So, kind of the flip side of that, I remember. The airplane that was given to me at the Neat Fair a few years ago, which was a, an Amptique. It's one that had an Astroflight motor in it, um, but it had the original ID sticker from the guy who built it back. I forget when it was. And I thought that was kind of a neat memento of an old airplane. So it had the, the builder and I, it might have even had a date in there um, and his address, his phone number. Part of me thought about trying to call, but um, I didn't, um, but anyway, I just thought that was just a neat little personal tidbit of, of an airplane that survived for several decades. So, mm, yeah. So there's there's that side of it too. Well, I'm I have Colonel Graven's plane right here. Yeah. Okay. So if and I haven't checked, but if his name is in there, I'd keep it because it rem reminds me of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I would think we were talking earlier that Fitz has that control line plane from Herman, who is no longer with us. So I just think it's neat that he's flying that model still. And yeah, and so if it had a sticker with Herman's name on it, all the better. Yeah. Okay, so good. Is this something, maybe the first time in the history of RC Roundtable? Do we all agree on a thing? Oh, We're done. This is the final episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, folks. We made it. Yeah. All right. So the last thing that I'm going to bug you guys about. Um, I mentioned that this is Memorial Day weekend. It's Sunday. I spent the first few days of the weekend, uh, starting Thursday night, um, in Chicago. Um, I was there for a wedding, but I had an extra day. So my wife and I went to the... Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. And I've been wanting to go there because I knew they had a World War II German submarine there. That's a thing they've had for decades. Um, but I got there and there's some other neat stuff too. They have a Stuka hanging from the ceiling. And 
I can't remember if I've seen a Stuka before. Do they have one at the Air and Space Museum? Gosh, I, I just can't remember. But don't remember. No. Yeah. But Might, it, but... I've never been to the Air and Space Museum. <gasps> okay. Well, you got to fix that. That's, that's a bucket list item. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Both. Yeah. The one in the Cindy mall. Cindy said and... she'd be fine if I just took the boys. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's two locations now. You should go to them both. Um, okay. So let's assume I've never seen a Stuka. Um, this is one that was captured in North Africa. I guess they took over some airfield and the Stuka was there. So it's in the desert camouflage with the modeled stuff and some, the extra air filters and stuff around it. And there's no wheel pants on it, but it's just a big airplane. It's kind of interesting. And they've got it hanging up. So you're on the second floor balcony that walks around and you're close enough that you can see some of the rivet work and the inevitable dings and stuff like that. It, it's really cool to, to see. And right behind the Stuka, they have a Battle of Britain veteran Spitfire, one of the early models. And same thing. You're close enough that on the tail, you can see patches. And they've got the swastika kill marks under the canopy. And just a really neat piece of history. Just, like, bam, right there in front of you. Mm. So that, I must have just sat there and stared at them for a while. And people thought I was a weirdo. But I don't know. The things in my head, like the, the Hunk of metal and fabric has survived a lot of things and been through history. And I don't know. I feel connected to that when I'm looking at those airplanes. And they had other stuff in that same little area. They have a Jenny that they have hanging upside down with a wing walker on it. Hmm. That was kind of neat. And then an old Boeing, I forget the designation, a 40B, whatever one of the early airmail planes was. Um, they've got all those there. And then if from that same balcony, if you look down, it's over the most ginormous, I think it's HO scale, but ginormous train set you can imagine. And it's really cool. Bunch of stuff going. I put a video, a couple of videos of it up on Instagram. So Fitz, if you haven't seen those yet, you should go to our Instagram account and check out the train layout. And then if you go around the corner, oh, also in that same area, there's a, a 727. Hmm. And yeah, they were a big deal. A 727. They've been around forever, but just really kind of neat to see it up close and how all the things work. And same sort of thing. I told you I could see the patches on this Spitfire. You look at the tail of a Boeing 727, and there's vortex generators on the vertical stabilizer. I'd never noticed that before. I'm like, why the hell do they need vortex generators on the vertical stab? I can understand why they do it on wing surfaces, but why on the vertical? Fitz, you're muted if you're saying something. Oh, I'm sorry. On a 727, you said? Yeah. Oh, probably for the same reason they need vortex generators on the wing. Well, that's that's only for high angle of attack, so you don't get separation, right? But why would you need it on the vertical? Uh, at... Well, usually it's a recovered laminar flow, right, of the airflow. So right. maybe, I don't know, maybe at certain angles of attack, it still needed it. Maybe the, the rudder to make the rudder more effective. Yeah, it, I don't know. At low speeds. I, that's interesting. All right. So for all you aerodynamicists out there, I, I'm dying to know why are the vortex generators on the vertical stab of a 727? And are they on other big jets or anything else? 
So no, unless there's something weird happened with the because the seven twenty seven is a third engine on a tail, right? Yep. So maybe there was some turbulent air caused by the the intake or something that they needed mm, to clean up. Yeah. Maybe so, but I had never even things considered that, that, that would be a thing. Sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> keep me from sleeping. Us, at night. Us, so, yeah, thank you. Awaken. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, and they've got that set up where you can walk through the the seating area, and it was interesting. That I assume this one was in service in the seventies, maybe the sixties, but they've got the original passenger seats in there, and the space between those seats, like, oh man, what luxury that must have been. <laughs> <laughs> you could fit a whole yeah anyway and um so went through all that and then as you turn the corner there is a travel air mystery ship hanging from the ceiling and they talked about what a a novel new airplane the, the travel air was now oh that's not the racer that you have fits the you have what a well a gilmore red yeah yeah okay so it looks similar to that with the big radial out front and this one's neat because it's got radiators built into the bottom of the wing. But yeah, that's high-tech stuff. Yeah. Back and, then. Yep. <laughs> and but yeah, they talked about what, you know, all the different innovations that came with it and how it was super fast. It's quite literally leading-edge technology, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so all those things, we did those kind of early on. We spent hours at this place, lots of neat stuff there. And then we identified early on that, I wanted to go see the submarine. And so we were getting towards the end of the day and the place is getting ready to close. I'm like, all right, we need to head towards the submarine now before we don't get a chance to. And the way they've got it, apparently they moved locations a few years back. It was in one place for a few decades and then they refurbished the submarine and put it in a different location. They moved it. And this is like, I don't know, I forget how many hundred feet long the submarine is, but just moving it was a huge ordeal. But anyway, there's a super long hallway that leads out to where the display area is now. And all along this hallway, there's different exhibits, uh, like old World War II posters, and then kind of a diorama of what happened on the day the submarine was captured, yada, yada, yada. And my wife, God bless her, she loves to read every sign in a museum. So we're going down this long, long hallway, and she's trying to read them all. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, we got to go. And finally, I said, you read the signs. I'm going to look at the submarine. And so I went all the way down there. And Fitz, you would have loved this thing. It is super cool. It's uh, what class is it? You mentioned it to me, uh, like a nine. Uh, I think it's a type seven, but I was trying to type, look it up. Is it type seven? I want to say it's a type nine. I think it, it was launched yeah. in 1941. It was captured in 1944. Um, but it was... Um, I won't give away the whole story. You guys can look it up. It's U-505, the submarine. Basically, it was um, attacked by one of our hunter-killer groups out in the Atlantic, forced it to surface, and then the crew uh, uh, abandoned ship, and they set some scuttling charges, and they opened up the Seacocks, but a boarding party from the carrier that was in that group or maybe it wasn't from the car. Anyway, a boarding party went in there and they were able to get rid of the charges and plug the, the seacocks back up and keep it from sinking. And they towed it to Bermuda. And so it revealed a lot of information about the, the German submarines at the time. And I think it was the first enemy warship captured on the high seas since the War of 1812. So Okay, so I looked up real quick. You're right, it is a Type 9. Okay. Uh, it was captured in 1944, 
So that very late it. in the war. So it makes sense because Type Nines came out later than the Type Sevens. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm oh, sorry, I was looking up the stuff. Yeah, Terry, it's been refurbished. What's that? Sorry, Terry, is this the sub that started sinking and they they were while they were towing it or something like that, and they had to go back there and make repairs? And they, I think, there's something about the the propellers turning or something like that. They had to. Yeah, yeah. So when they attacked it, they jammed the rudders, and so when the Germans abandoned ship, it was turned full right. And so when they tried to tow it, the rudders were turned full right. So they had to go back to some way back in the engine room and manually turn the rudders straight. No, and not also the, rudders, the propellers. Did right, I say but also, meant propellers. Well, but there are two elements. So the rudders were an issue when they tried to tow it because they okay, were turned. It wouldn't okay. stay behind the – they were towing it with the carrier. Um, and so also it was full of water, but they couldn't – it was so full of water that the um, they couldn't start the diesel engines to charge the batteries to use the onboard bilge pumps. So what they did is they disconnected the propeller shafts from the diesel engines, and then while it was towing, that allowed the propeller shafts to turn and charge the batteries. Batteries. So that's it, what like, and then run the pumps. So it was Fitz's uh, uh, airplane all over again. <laughs> so yeah, as they were towing it, that manually turn the propellers and that allowed them to charge the batteries. And once the batteries were charged, they could turn on the bilge pumps to get all the seawater out of this thing. There you go. Um, so yeah, apparently there was a, a lot of trouble towing this thing because it was so full of water. They snapped a couple cables and they used the biggest ship they had, which was the carrier. Um, and of course they didn't want the Germans to know they were towing it because that would have been a bad day for everybody. Yeah. Um, but they were able to pull all that together and at the time, it was a, a real coup. Oh, and there's the Stuka up on the screen. Stuka. Missing yeah. the wheel pants. Right. I assume that's because it was in the desert, right? So they probably captured it that way. Hmm. There's a Spitfire. Spit. Look at that. And, and you can see the Boeing mail plane uh, hanging behind it. Anyway, so you know the submarine, it's as it was captured. Um, well, I take that back. They did do some restoration on it. Oh, yeah. Stay right there. This is something I noticed the other day. Those ailerons aren't fabric covered on the 727, are they? Or is that just some No, weird I think that's scalping in the metal. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I would think that's weird. Oh, they had a replica right flyer. I want to say that replica has flown. I might be oh. making that part up. Possible. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. We'll go with it. Yeah. All right, but uh, finish. Oh, there's the um, Traveler Mystery Ship. Hmm. <laughs> it's a, a motor generator or something, right? Yeah, it's an old electric motor. They have a, a display that's got a bunch of stuff. And I was going to make a joke that that was the motor that was included with the Goldberg Electra or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and somewhere in there, uh, maybe I didn't include it, but they had a 100,000 watt light bulb. Holy moly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they turned it on. <laughs> it says, look here. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did have a Tesla coil there, and it's mounted up in the ceiling, and it's got a clock that counts down. This is when the Tesla coil discharges. What they don't have is a warning that says, beware, this thing is loud as hell, and you're going to yeah. jump out of your pants when it discharges. 
I'm not kidding when I tell you, you can hear it throughout the whole building. It's like a bolt of lightning. And they've got seats around it underneath where you can watch the, the arcs go across. The first time it went off, their kids burst into tears. Ah! <laughs> so it, it's interesting, but yeah, I'm surprised that they don't tell you just how loud that's going to be. Um, but getting back to the submarine, um, so much neat stuff in there. Um, there's from when the thing surfaced, all the ships started shooting at it, right? And so there's still bullet holes in the sides, big ones, little ones. And at the same time, they had a, a wildcat flying around as part of the air cover, and it was shooting 50 calibers into it. <laughs> you were just so, unloading on it, huh? Yeah. So the fact that they were able to salvage it was just a, a lucky thing at the end. They weren't planning to salvage it. They wanted that sucker to go down. Yeah. Now, I can't um, remember if you said or not. Can you go inside of it? You can pay for an internal tour. Okay. Yeah. Um, but as part of your normal museum entry, you can go and view the outside stuff and they've got a torpedo display and, and stuff like that. So, and then, yeah, they, the janitor was, had his push broom shoving us out of that room uh, when the museum closed. So we spent every spare minute we had trying to absorb the submarine. It was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that you would have appreciated both of you, but especially you fits. So if any of you out there are ever staying around Chicago and you want some neat uh, war artifacts to see, then the, the Museum of Science and Industry has got some. Sounds good. Yeah. I will. If I'm in the area again, I definitely will stop by. Yep. That's it. I got no more. Go. Oh, finally. I thought you'd never end. Man, you, would you drink coffee just tonight or something? You just want to... <laughs> i'm waiting for his but wait there's more there's some irish coffee there <laughs> um no i don't think i have any more i told you i'm going to try to fly tomorrow mm. i'll check out my dinghy footage see if that turned out okay um there's probably stuff i'm forgetting but i'm good for now so i'm glad you guys are back i'm glad you had fun oh and that yeah. begs the question what's the next event you guys have had lots of events well, Fitz was at an event today. Oh, right. Do we want to talk about it or do we want to talk about it later? Uh, you should talk okay, about then. it now. Just, okay, real quick. We can always split up the show for you, too. <laughs> All right, real quick. I went to an F5J event, uh, the glider competition. These are limited motor run, and then you have to fly for like nine minutes, 10 minutes, and then land. Uh, precision landing. And any time over the, the time, you get heavily penalized. And any time under that time, you get penalized a little bit, depending on how much. This is this, the restriction pictures of now and the rewards and stuff. And I've never been to an F5J event that I can recall. I've been to other glider events, but not this particular one. And Are those was, 3D printed trophies? It looked like they were. Yeah, at least yeah the it's pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty nice. Uh, so it was a nice event. They had about a dozen pilots or so. <gasps> and... Yes, we are somebody. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, so what I was going to say, it's an interesting event because they they launch. Uh, this is a one thing is I, I didn't realize is basically you can fly anything as long as it's under a certain size. So okay. it wasn't like a specific model or a class. It was basically four meters and less. 
Um, <laughs> and That's a wild. Yeah. There was a couple planes that were pushing four meters. That was one guy had three point nine meters or something like that. So there were some big mothers, big high, uh, expensive composite European uh, Czech Republic built stuff that you looked at it and it would go up. Huh. Uh, and actually, the guy on the right is one of my club members. He was out there helping the time, just looking around. And the guy on the left uh, was member. This was at the Fort Bend RC Club, very nice club. My first time out there. And that gentleman uh, knew of us, knew of me, and then I talked to him a little bit. And he was flying that plane. It's, it looks like a just a big scaled up <laughs> gentle lady or something. Well, it looks like what was that tower hobbies? The Vista? Didn't they yeah. have a big Vista? Maybe, a, yeah, maybe I'm Either making a big up, Vista but... or this is just a Vista Super XL ish thing. Yeah. I was kind of surprised. That's why I asked. I said, I thought these were all supposed to be real fancy, but this guy had a balsa plane. Hmm. Uh, they'd launch. All at once, maybe five or six planes at once, something like that. They'd launch a timer, and they—they're motorized, so they have geared motor boxes and surprisingly small batteries. I talked to one guy, and his almost four-meter plane had like a three-cell, six hundred milliamp-hour battery pack or something like that. So they're just doing spurts to climb. Yeah, they're just doing spurts. They—they they only, I think, they have a thirty-second time limit, maybe. Um, and sometimes the lower there's a um there's a throttle timer on it and they were telling me that um you get more points the lower your throttle shuts off so if you launch and at your lower altitude you get more points but of course it's harder to thermal right and but some of these planes it was amazing there was one guy he was off at one end of the field and i thought oh he's down there's no way he can pull that out he must have been maybe 40 50 feet up in the air at the most and he just worked it and worked it and was able to gain a couple hundred feet as he went downwind. It was just amazing. Uh, and there was one guy who consistently came in one or two seconds before the timer. He would land one or two seconds before the timer would go, go off. Wow. So that's basically getting max points. And he would, you know, of course, land pretty close to the spot he'd need to. And it, I just watched him. And he would just pull thermals out of nowhere. He would linger before the buzzer would go off at the end of the, the, the 10 minutes. He would come down and just linger right above the runway at about you know, 30, 40 feet, just working a, a, a thermal or zero sink. And you know, maybe 20, 15, 20 seconds before the timer would end, he would come in, drop the flaps, and just sort of just float right in and land a couple seconds before it went off. It was just it was really consistent. And I talked to him. He said he was flying since he was like, you know, since the 80s. He was an old timer. He's not old, but he's just been flying, I think, since a little kid. Oh. Uh, so they have, here's one, uh, from some pictures. This guy is just about to land. You can see uh, like a thing on the ground. A, a, that was actually a tape, piece of measuring tape they can use in a little orange cone. And so they would come in and try to land. Uh, these, these gliders are really, really beautiful. Um, Fairly modest power setups. They were nice power setups. They weren't like the, um, was it FIB? They weren't like the flying arc welders that would just go straight up at 100 miles an hour. Um, these were, had a nice climb rate, but they were just looked like they were able to thermal so well in these things, just at, at will, practically. Um, so, and, and very, very much high-tech carbon composite foam, whatever, uh, construction. Various, some are polyhedral, some are sort of uh like this one is not quite flat but sort of a gradual dihedral this one i always thought was kind of nice just very colorful and 
more traditional looking. But uh, it was an interesting event. The weather was nice for it. And they, uh, um, they, they, this is their third year at the club holding it, and they seem to be pretty popular. They were drawing people from Austin and Dallas and so forth. So those people are driving hours to get here. And he says each year seems to be better and better. So looks like they'll be doing this for a while. So, so you did not participate. You just spectated. I, I just spectated. Took some pictures. Took a little video, and and, and that was it. I was just just curious, and I, I need. And I couldn't stay out that long anyway. I need to get back and to work on some stuff. So, and I'm not sure if Chris's last name is Reha. I don't know if you met him, but he's the organizer. Yeah, he's a CD. I talked to him a little bit. Yeah, I can't remember his last name, but uh, yeah. he also competed. He was a CD and he competed a little bit. Yeah. So <laughs> we had we'd heard about this, and I had reached out to Chris. I go, oh, that's something Fitz and I think would love to do, and just to go hang out. I unfortunately just had some family matters that tied me up. So thank you for going, Fitz, because that would have been fun. So yeah, we fun. were listed as a sponsor. Yes, we were. We shared the event. We talked about it. Yeah. Okay. Our, so I put some yeah. chatter out there. I thank Chris for sticking our sticker up there for it. So yeah, that's nice. Uh, so yeah, if you ever get, have an opportunity to see with something event like this in your neighborhood, give it a shot. It's actually it was quite interesting. And uh, if you know what's going on, there's some lots of skill involved. So uh, it's it's a low kind of a low stress competition, but it's interesting in its own right. So did you notice any sort of uh, pattern with the types of airplanes that were doing better than others. I guess you didn't have to have a composite airplane, but did the composite airplanes perform better? No, the key is working the thermals because you you have a very limited run when you go up. I can't. I thought it, I think it's thirty seconds, but somebody could correct me. And and then once the motor shuts off, you've got uh, a device in the in the side of the plane that records the altitude where the motor shut off. And so okay. they download that after you land the telemetry, but you don't have any active telemetry. So you don't know it's all eyeballed, calibrated yeah. eyeball. And then, so you have to either decide, am I going to go high and try to work thermals or am I going to go low and really test my skill? Maybe the first flight, they may go a little high until they discover where the thermals are. There seem to be a couple areas of the field that were kind of consistent for thermals. I noticed mm -hmm. after a few flights, a lot of them would sort of migrate to that particular area uh so i think after you got a flight or two you say okay i know i can i can go here maybe shut off early and try to work our thermal and it depends on your, your skill and your plane capability too because some of those planes just they thermal like not like it, it, very little provocation <laughs> uh and of course the skill you know and, and being in the right place at the right time you know if you want to be on the ground at a certain spot at a certain time with the wind and stuff to judge that the wind was changing too so uh, there was some consistency in some of the better performers i noticed but uh you know you're, you're still at the whim of nature yeah how many flights do you get you know i don't know i meant to ask how many heats or whatever they had but i, I forgot they had little they had sheets and papers and it looked like quite a few it looked like they could do you know a dozen or so because they're only 10 minutes long so and it looked like there was a lot of lines on it so my guess is i might reach out to i may reach out to chris and get the specs and then add it to the post for this yeah i'd like to know yeah i meant to ask more details I'm, i totally forgot and it may it may vary depending on the and they're doing it both days they did saturday and sunday too they said oh okay. i was surprised uh, so they were they were doing a lot of flying there was a couple of couple of carnage there was one guy i had a couple of pictures he i think he stalled it 
making a downwind turn or something right over the runway, trying to turn sharp to land, and he hit the ru- paved runway and snapped the nose yeah. off his nice fancy carbon composite aircraft. Um, the guy we saw a picture earlier walking with his um, uh, you know, um, what'd you call it? The one that looks like the, the Vista looking one. He uh, actually hit some power lines with his. You know, he wow. hit two power lines apparently. He hit one, he <laughs> pulled one him out of the air, enough. and he hit another one going down, but apparently he just minor damage. He pulled it oh, off good. and said, Hey, I can fly again. And he went off again. <laughs> I, I can and say recharge I, is better. Yeah. I have hit power lines. Uh, so have I. A long time ago. I, I snapped the wing off hitting a power line with my my general lady once. So hmm. uh so anyways. Um so yeah, it was just a nice relaxing event. It was pretty neat. It might be fun to try if I ever get a plane that, that's com- somewhat competitive, but I looked at the prices of one of the guys' planes and, and I got a pr- sticker shock. Well, yeah, that's why I asked before. 16XL for that. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting if you could be competitive at the local Houston level with uh, an off-the-shelf Vista or whatever two-meter balsa glider, or if you really have possible. to. Yeah, but you'd have to. Depends on the day. If it's a day with good thermals, yes. If it's a day with light, little to light activity, it'd probably be very difficult. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it well, sounds also like similar rules to what you were talking about that you're going to do at the Nats, Lee. Yeah, it does. I think it's 30 seconds, but I'll I'll check. I as I mentioned, I don't care about the rules. I'm just going to there to fly. <laughs> they disqualify me. Man. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was I had a thing and phew, it's gone. Yeah, bring it back for 176. <laughs> Let's wrap this one up, folks. It's two hours in. Yep, we're we're working out. You guys finished? I'm I am finished. I'm about to melt away here. So. You finally finished, Terry? Oh yeah, yeah. What do you mean finally? Why I gotta bang zoom? Yeah, I was watching the Three Stooges the other day. I was flipping through channels. They were on. All right. So, anyways, uh, thanks everybody for listening to this very fine episode of the RC Roundtable. <laughs> Super fine episode. Yep. If we said something uh, stupid, silly, insulting, or need some corrections, please send us an email at attention uh, Terry Dunn. Attention Terry Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's info at rcroundtable.com, right? Contact. At Contact. RC. Sorry. Contact at RC Roundtable. Contact at RC Roundtable. Sorry. You're going to lose your job, Fitz. Yeah. I always forget. Uh, and of course, check out our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Insta- Instagram. We may have some YouTube stuff out there still. Yeah, and YouTube. Of course, you're watching this on YouTube. And of course, rcroundtable.com. And on that note, we will see you later. Thanks for listening and watching. Nighty night. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.